0: I'm having a horrible, horrible case of presidential election deja vu. And it's the worst kind of deja vu. It is where the Democratic Party fails to show up and fight in a very particular kind of way for a very particular kind of person. And because they don't show up, a con man proven lifelong con man, Donald Trump, shows up in their place. That's exactly what's happening right now, all over the United States, as Donald Trump has now, in his third straight, highly respected national poll, crossed over the 50% mark in his approval rating in how he's handling the coronavirus pandemic. Let me break it down. This is Sean King, and you are listening to The Breakdown. The Breakdown. The the, the Breakdown. Before we begin today, I want to preface everything that I'm about to say with a bit of an asterisk. I am not saying any of this to damage Joe Biden, I'm not saying any of this to damage the Democratic Party, or even for that matter, to damage Bernie Sanders. I am saying this because it is a horrible situation where the Democratic Party, and I would say the the Democratic establishment, has not understood a core essential lesson Of the 2016 election, and not just the 2016 election, but the 2016 election, just like the 2020 election took place in 2015 and 2016, just like this one takes place in 2019, all the way now we're in the 2020 wing of this election. It is really, really hard when you lose a campaign. And I have now helped manage and organize over 20 different campaigns across the country. When you, when you win a campaign, you often overlook the mistakes that you made in that campaign. And, and like, here's another example of when I see that happening in a state, say you say you, you or your party or your candidate wins a statewide election, or even loses a statewide election, but you either win by a large margin or you lose by a large margin. Sometimes, when you win or lose by a large margin, it causes voter suppression and real incidences of, uh, real moments of a machine failure of of poll closures it causes all those things to be overlooked because you lost by a big margin or you won by a big margin and so these things of oh, these these kind of incidents of voter suppression that you should have been looking at all of a sudden don't get looked at the way they should and the same is true i've helped to manage uh, uh, campaigns for district attorney all over the country and when you win when, when we helped campaigns in in Boston, in San Francisco, in uh, uh, deep in San Antonio or in Jackson, Mississippi, when we won, you are one. You're so exhausted afterwards that you just collapse, but you're also just so glad you won that you don't necessarily do an autopsy, if you will, on that campaign. And you don't inspect it, you don't survey it the way that you should. Well, for the most part, in the organization that I helped co-found, Real Justice, when we've lost, we've tried to do that. We've tried to have open, painful, detailed discussions about why we just lost. They hurt they suck i hate the conversations but because we had them and i literally write about this in for a, almost a whole chapter in my book make change because we were deeply introspective about our failures because of that it caused us to know where we needed to pivot where we needed to change it caused us to understand how we needed to do things differently and i am not at all confident that after the democratic party after hillary clinton lost to donald trump that because it was the loss was so painful legitimately so for hillary clinton for the democratic party for democratic voters for particularly for very particular segments of the american population the loss was so painful that a lot of the introspection that needed to happen, a lot of the analysis, you know, I, I call it an autopsy in a way of looking back at the, the cause of death. What caused this? What were the 12 factors that contributed to this? I don't think that really honestly happened, not on the Democratic Party level And not on the democratic establishment level, in great part, I think it got lost when when all of a sudden Russia was primarily being blamed for this, Um, when, uh, you know, fake ads on Facebook were being blamed for it. And listen, I have said publicly, let's put those things as one of the 25 different causes. Let's say Russian interference is one of those causes. It's not the only cause. And there's one primary mistake that Democrats made in 2015 and 2016 that I see happening right now. And it's happening against, I think, a candidate that proved you just can't make that mistake against him. I don't think it would ever fly. I think it's an ignorant mistake no matter what. But it definitely doesn't work against Donald Trump. And, and let me unpack it. In 2015 and 2016, Hillary Clinton aimed to clear the field. Joe Biden actually wanted to run in 2016. Elizabeth Warren wanted to run in 2016. Many leading Democrats wanted to run in 2016. And I have always said I wish they would have. I think Hillary Clinton would have still absolutely won the nomination but she would have had a traditional competitive primary that require her to campaign and fight in Wisconsin, in Michigan, in Ohio, and Florida, in states that she eventually lost to Donald Trump because she hardly even campaigned there, hardly campaigned there against Bernie, and hardly campaigned there once she won the nomination. In some of these places, she She didn't even go to major cities where it appears that her team just believed she had it in the bag. And here's the thing, having been a part now of a presidential campaign, what I've learned is you do have to make very difficult decisions about where you go and where you don't go. You, the candidate themselves, can't go to every state and every city all the time. They are a limited, finite human resource. And so Hillary Clinton hardly had, I don't just mean Hillary Clinton herself, but Hillary Clinton and her campaign hardly had a presence in Michigan and Wisconsin in particular. States that Barack Obama won, that she then ultimately lost, but Donald Trump showed up. He saw a real opportunity to prey on what he thought was a weakness where, oh, she's not even going to to really legitimately fight in these particular states. She doesn't even really see them as swing states. She sees them as Democratic strongholds. And our internal polling is showing this is I'm speaking as if I was a Trump campaign. Their internal polling is showing That they have a chance there. And they did have a chance there. And Donald Trump and his campaign won Wisconsin and won Michigan. And it is damn near impossible to win the Democratic nomination without Wisconsin and Michigan. It's damn near impossible to ever win the Democratic nomination without Ohio, without Florida. These again, these are places where Barack Obama took the fight hard and heavy and won. And if you lose any any one of those states, you're going to be in trouble. If you lose them all, you're done. You're toast right now. Until I'm trying to, to see. Remember if it was yesterday for six straight days. Joe Biden was a complete ghost during the coronavirus pandemic. And I don't mean the people who are tweeting on his account or one time uh, uh, the Joe Biden Instagram account put a thumbs up in the D-Nice Instagram house party. That was not Joe Biden. Okay, that was someone on Joe Biden's account. I'm not talking about the thumbs up he gave in the D-Nice house party. I'm talking about. His actual presence that for six of the scariest, most frightening days in the modern history of this country, where there were mass layoffs, where schools, elementary, middle, high school and colleges were canceled, where cities were told you can now no longer leave the house unless it's for an essential thing that you need, where we experienced this mass shutdown. And the nation experienced a degree of anxiety that it had not experienced in a very long time. Joe Biden was literally a ghost doing no press conferences, no live chats, nothing. Like, literally, where is Joe Biden became a trending topic because people were like, hold on, is he running for president? Is this man? who is currently leading in the Democratic nomination process, is he okay? Trump, seeing that failure, not only started talking about it and conservatives start talking about it, but Trump understanding that failure, the failure of not being present, did something that is working for him, and it scares the hell out of me. And as I've tried to mention it, I see the same thing people said to me specifically and to many of us who were trying to sound the alarm when we saw similar mistakes being made in 2015 and 2016. When I say, listen, Joe Biden has to come out here and show up, people will say things to me like, why are you helping the Trump campaign? I'm not trying to help the Trump campaign. I loathe Donald Trump. What I am saying is when Joe Biden is missing, Donald Trump will fill that gap. He with his own presence and what the polls show is that 10 days ago, national polls showed the majority of Americans, nearly 60 percent of Americans did not approve of how Donald Trump was managing the coronavirus pandemic. Then it went from 60% 60% didn't approve to 55% didn't approve to 53 to 52 to 51. Then it became just about a week ago, about 50% of Americans didn't approve and 50% did approve. Kind of write down party lines. But then a week ago, Donald Trump started doing something that goes against really the trend of his presidency. He started having a daily press conference. The press conferences are a mess. He regularly lies. Again, the man is a known fraud and con man. But every day, all day, the man shows up at a press conference and he has surrounded himself with doctors and experts at the press conference, and he speaks and he takes questions. His answers are bonkers. But guess what? When people are scared, when they are afraid, what they, what they pay attention to is who shows up. I, I shared this story. I spoke to uh, a reporter for NBC News yesterday, uh, Shaquille Brewster. And I told Shaquille that I, I was a pastor for many, many years. And one of the things that I learned working with families who were experiencing crisis, particularly if they had experienced a death, is they don't necessarily remember what you say, but they remember who was present during their hard times. And Donald Trump, somebody's told him this lesson, that during a crisis, show up. The man continues to lie, continues to say things that I think are horrible, not just because they're dishonest, but because they are problematic. He started advocating for a medicine that people should take, and a husband and wife took this medicine without the advice of their doctors. It killed the husband and sent the wife to the hospital all because then they openly said they did it because Donald Trump said it was, it was a safe medicine to take like crazy stuff. Like that alone should tank the man's presidency. But what we're learning is that's not how this works. And as a consequence in three straight national polls, Donald Trump went from 60% disapproving of how he's handling the pandemic down to 50%. Now, in three straight national polls, a majority of Americans, 51, 52, 53, now I see a poll with almost 55% approval. And these aren't conservative polls. These are from ABC News and Washington Post and others, mainstream respectable polls where the majority of Americans say... You know what? I approve of how he's handling it. And it's not because the specifics are right. It's because the man is present. People trust in a crisis, the leader they see. And Joe Biden, who is supposed to be the leading Democratic nominee, has been virtually MIA. And it's a problem. It is a real problem. And here's the thing. You can't get that time back. You can't go back in time and say, I was present during those six days. You just can't. And because you can't do that, Donald Trump will be able to say over the next six months, during one of the worst weeks of the crisis, I was there and where were you? And and he will have a leg up. And I am so furious that somebody in Joe Biden's campaign or Joe Biden himself thought it was a good idea to just shut up and do nothing for one of the most dangerous weeks in modern American history. This episode of The Breakdown is brought to you by Magic Spoon. Do you love good breakfast cereal? When I was growing up, breakfast cereal was one of the best parts of being a kid. But as an adult, you realize that all of your favorites were really just full of sugar and junk that you shouldn't eat, not as a child or as an adult. And breakfast is kind of boring sometimes as a result. Well, this episode is sponsored by Magic Spoon a new cereal company that's discovered a way to recreate your favorite childhood cereals. Listen to this. Take my word for it. It's still good with zero sugar, 12 grams of protein, and only three net grams of carbs in each serving. They offer flavors based on all-time classics like uh, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and blueberry, plus a variety pack that lets you try them all Right now, if you go to magicspoon.com slash breakdown, you can grab a variety pack and try it today and be sure to use our promo code breakdown at checkout and you'll get free shipping. Magic Spoon is so confident in their product. It's back with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money. No questions asked. That's magicspoon.com slash breakdown and use the code breakdown for free shipping. We thank Magic Spoon for sponsoring today's episode. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode of The Breakdown. As always, I'm hoping that you're hanging in there, that you're doing okay, that you are safe, secure, and healthy. Listen, I'll say this on every episode for as long as we are doing The Breakdown during this pandemic, please, if you can help in any kind of way, Go to c19helpsquad.com and join us there. We have teams that have propped up all over the country. And listen, if you're not able to help there, but you know of another way to help, please, there are smart ways that if you're able, if you are in a position of privilege or resource, or even if you just have time on your hands, there are so many different ways that you can help make a difference. We love and appreciate each of you. Of course, thank you so much to Lysandra, to Willis, and to Brandon for today's episode. Take care, everybody. Break it down. break, break, break. break, break.